Welcome to the Sermon Recap Podcast. This week, Matthew, Josh, and I had the distinct pleasure to talk to Barton Ramsey after having the equally distinct pleasure of hearing his sermon from Genesis 6-9. through Here, we speak with him about preaching as a member and what value that brings. And for those of you who don't know Barton that well, you'll also get a chance to hear a bit about his history at Trace. At the end, we ask him two questions about his passage, one serious and one not so serious. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Now, onto the podcast. All right, welcome to the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm Avery here with Josh and Matthew as usual, and we do have a special guest today. It is Barton Painted Black Ramsey, uh, who preached <laughs> he preached on Genesis um, a lot on Sunday. What what was it? Seven, eight, and nine. Uh, I think you start in six. six. Yeah, you yeah, start six. in chapter six with the story of Noah, and you go all the way through nine. It's yeah. quite a chunk. And I was committed to reading the whole thing during the sermon, so you have to realize that's going. Just reading it itself is going to take like 11 to 12 minutes of time yeah, yeah. just to read it. He's a sermon thief, too. He stole my sermon for next week. So Sorry about that's that. Okay. Yeah, that's what we should have done in Daniel. We should have uh, read it as it was being preached. Um, there were some long, long readings there. Well, I don't my think first question out of the gate is, with so much text to cover, do you think that you you know, could have possibly done it faithfully? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I think that my reason for doing so much text the very first time I preached through Genesis was because I had fallen into the gotta catch every single aspect of each particular, you know, sentence. And, you know, that would take years to go through the book of Genesis. In fact, we talked about, uh, I went to Criswell, we talked about W.A. Criswell and how his series through Genesis was just ridiculously long. And I think that that's a, a great way to approach it, but I think we miss some things when we don't take the stories in themselves as a whole. So I was being taught how to preach through narrative, and I sort of used Genesis as my, let's figure this out, preaching a narrative, not just a particular argument within a verse, but like what does the narrative itself teach us? So yes, I do think it was done faithfully, but I do think you could go back and preach a handful of really good sermons on some parts of that story as well. It certainly wasn't less than faithful. <laughs> what, he, what he's saying is it was just barely faithful. Barely. You squeaked well, by on the was, rubric. I was very much so helped, encouraged, challenged. It was, it was a good word, man. Yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoy hearing that. And I, I really enjoy your perspective on it, especially, like you said, the big picture. Um, really enjoyed, especially uh, your insight about, you know, the new creation from the from the flood. That was, I think, really new for me. So um, I was we were talking about, you know, kind of what we would be addressing in this podcast. And we, we, do, we have talked about a Genesis a lot through this, um, but by virtue of you being here, we, we do have um, a few different things that we can ask you since you um, aren't, you know, one of our regular, well, I guess at this point you've preached twice in the second half of this year, so I guess you have... In the rotation. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the rotation, but, uh, officially. Yeah, but not so, on staff, which, exactly. you know, has, is, ha- hasn't been a normal practice 
you know, right. for us, but it's something that we're wanting to, to do more of. Right. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that most of our members, uh, do know you, but some may not know you as well as, uh, some of the ones that have been here for a little bit longer. So could you just give us a little bit about your background at Trace, kind of how long you've been here and, and that sort of thing? Yes, absolutely. And there have been a few people who have asked if I was a member, <laughs> which is <laughs> awesome. I love getting those questions and they were kind of new too, which was cool. Um, and it's definitely a you know a lot of, of change and a new group of people in a lot of ways. There are a few people here who've been longer than Bethany and I. We showed up. Our first Sunday was in August of 2009. Mm-hmm. It was right at Bethany's birthday, and we had a baptism in a pool at Spring Lake. I'll never forget. And uh, we didn't have a baptistry to baptize anyone in, so we just borrowed a swimming pool. And I was here as the at that point in time part-time student pastor. And that sort of evolved into most-time student pastor and then full-time student pastor and then family discipleship pastor and then sort of um, whatever I was at the end of my tenure here, just whatever was really needed, sort of. We had Matthew as children's pastor, so I was kind of youth and overall sort of what families do and a lot of life group Uh stuff and really just helping Landon and then also teaching the whole time. Like, uh, hey, Barton, what's your job title going to be this year? Yes, it changed often, but it was good. There was a lot of growth, and I learned a lot for sure. I was on staff at Trace until January 1st of 17, officially, really until about August of 16. And then uh, I was an elder here my last, um, I guess, two years on staff, two and a half years on staff. And now I am a member here. <laughs> and a dog whisperer. Dog whisperer here. Yeah. yeah. Labrador just mogul. I'm hanging out with you guys. <laughs> yeah. No. So just a, a member here and trying and often failing, but sometimes successful in being a type of member that I would love to have had when I was on staff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go yeah. off staff and you think, man, if I'm just a member, what were the members that like really blessed me? And yeah, right. I hopefully strive to be that guy. Yeah. as much as possible. Yeah, I, I feel that. If I, I know that if uh, I were ever to be, you know, quote unquote, you're just the member that I would not be the same member uh, that I was before. Yeah, there's before. a new perspective when yeah. you work in, in, in a church and you're here every day and then you go back and and aren't doing that. There's a, there's a lot you look back and you're like, man. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things you learn from that. Cool. Well, um, kind of talking about that dynamic, uh this is kind of a two-part question, so I'll just let you, you answer it as you will. Um, is there a difference for you uh, between preaching as a, as a staff pastor and as a, you know, again, quote-unquote, just member? Um, and it's okay if there's not, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious, um, especially doing it at the same church. Um, and also, second part of that, what do you think the value is in having our members preach as opposed to just staff members um, preaching? Yeah, so there, there, there are some differences. I think maybe in just expectation. You know, um, preaching when I was on staff was was a calling, but also a job. And there was an element of kind of have to. Hey, I, you know, I remember having conversations. Bethany's trying to wrangle children around on a Sunday morning, and I'm like, Hey, I, I'm going to work. You know, like now it's Hey, we're going to worship as a family. But for a staff member, it's both. I'm going to worship, but I'm also I'm going to my job right now. And that element creates, a, I think, a little bit of pressure. And um, it can, and it sometimes did, cause a little bit of, of studying because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, as a 
member, I really get to study because I want to. And I even this, I just randomly texted Matthew. I was like, I love this text, and if you want me to preach this Sunday, I'd be happy to. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then cool. Um, and it worked out with his schedule, and and it was a, more of a get to. And yeah. but stylistically, and like my sort, I mean, I, the way that I've preached has changed over the years for sure. There's certain elements of the way that I preach and the way that I study and the way that I present that have definitely stayed the same. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel any different when I'm preaching uh, than, I, than I did when I was on staff. There's an element of I, I love mm-hmm. the act of preaching. I love knowing that the Lord is the one who's empowering the words you're saying to people, to their hearts, and, and mm-hmm. you know doing your best to present it clearly so that the Lord can speak to people. I love that. I love the act of doing that and uh, hearing that people are encouraged, even if you feel like, man, that sermon really fell flat. And then you hear someone say, I was really encouraged by this. You know, the Lord did some work there because I felt like it was awful or just maybe a a bunt single, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And so that part is very much still the same um, as it was before before I was on staff. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah. What was the second part of the question? The second part of the question is... um, I have to look actually. Check your notes. Yeah, it's like okay. the value and uh, members. Oh, preaching. that's right. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's a very important question, and it's it's weird for me because there have been people at Trace who've asked me over the last the course of the last three four years. You know, why aren't you preaching more? We'd love for you to preach. We enjoy it, and blah blah blah. And then there are probably people who don't say anything anything to me. They're like, man, we're really glad that he's not preaching anymore. But it's I, I always just said I don't have any expectation that I would be asked to preach regularly here because we have number one fantastic staff members who can all teach and that's sort of always been for the most part how it's gone here and then secondly we have elders which the only distinguishing uh, characteristic from a a Christian man and an elder uh, is the ability to teach and so shepherding that way and teaching I think is important task for elders but at the same time, I do think as a church, we're called to use the gifts that God has given us to edify the body. And so in any instance, whether that's teaching or hospitality or whatever it is that we, um, that we are gifted with, I think part of the, the leadership's job, part of you guys' job is to identify those gifts and encourage people to use them for the building up of the body. That's a, that is, the, the problem with that is, there are a lot of gifts that are unable to be used on Sunday morning. So I think Josh probably has the most interaction with that on Sunday morning by identifying people who have talents with music, gifts and serving in a musical way, um, you know, gift of reading. There's some people that read the scriptures in such a way that I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm blown away by just hearing the text when you read it. You know, there's just something about that. And so whether it's a talent or a gift or a true spiritual gift, identifying those, letting them be be a, a building block for the body is important. And so finding people who can teach and using them on Sunday morning is great. And hopefully, our I know our church doesn't feel this way, but hopefully more churches feel less and less of the, hey, isn't that the pastor's job? You know, isn't he, is he get a day off today? I joke with Matthew about that, but like there's so many other aspects to eldering and shepherding. Um, the only thing I would add to that is uh, the pulpit and preaching is something that is to be protected by the pastor and, and the elders of a church. And so you do have to be careful. It's not something where it's like, you know, if if somebody gets up on the cajon and like really botches it, then, you know, not that you do, Avery, you do a great job, but it's like, oh man, 
you know, we really uh, failed the Lord today because the cajon was offbeat or because so-and-so's guitar was out of tune or whatever. Those things aren't good or helpful necessarily, but uh, getting up and like wrecking a sermon and being unfaithful to a text or just preaching incorrectly, that's a bigger deal. And that's for Matthew to really, you know, that ultimately falls on the elders uh, as those who guard the teaching. So I think it's one thing to have a guy who you, I worked here, you, a lot of you guys were here, you've heard me preach, so you know uh, I have an education in studying and, and those sort of things. That's different than saying, you know, a guy just showed up and he says he can teach, let's throw him up there. You know, there's got to be some sort of process for that where you can protect the pulpit and your uh, congregation as well. Well, well I wasn't here. Oh, go ahead, Matthew. No, I was going to say, it's not a free-for-all. And, and yeah, that's, uh, we want our members using their gifts, but as, as elders, we have to have identified those gifts in you. Like I, I would, I would want to be shocked that someone like you or any other member would mishandle a text instead of sitting there like, man, I wonder how this is going to go. Yeah. You know, haven't heard this guy before. Or having so-and-so preach, hope it goes all right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I wasn't here way back in the day. So that's part of why I was hanging on every word that you preached to, just, to ensure worried, that huh? I didn't just have to take these guys' word for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> look, and maybe notebook. even not. I mean, look, I, I think if I went back and listened to some of my sermons the first couple of years of ministry, I would uh, want to delete them off of the Internet. Oh, bro, we, <laughs> we already have like, deleted. Oh, gosh, let's get rid of that. A few years ago. <laughs> yeah. You pray, Lord, let this be helpful. And if it's not, hopefully they're not paying attention. Yeah, definitely. Well, do you two have questions? Yeah, I told you before, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on whether or not uh, the flood was a global flood, uh, yeah. i.e. it could have just been localized to, you know, the specific area that we find the characters, um, you know, in this in this event and uh, just pertain to sort of the world as it was known or as it was occupied at that time. Or did, yeah. it, or did it cover the whole world? Like was Tupelo under the waters of the flood. I've gone back and forth so many times on on this, and I don't know that I land in one particular place. I think I do land in, in, in the place that wh whatever your answer is to that question does not ultimately impact your overall hermeneutic of the gospel and of what God is doing in this story here. And I think that's important to distinguish, uh, to distinguish because there are some who would argue, you know, if this is not a literal or you know, globe-covering flood, then you lose, you know, your overall hermeneutic, and then everything else crumbles after that, which is the same argument with some of the things that happened earlier in the first creation. And um, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, you know, what, what was the earth to Moses and to Noah? You know, what was the world to them? Uh, and where was life to them? I think there are some cool, there are truly some cool archaeological finds that definitely point toward a flood, you know, and, and, uh, and those are found in lots of different areas, uh, not just in the areas that we expect that these events took place, uh, where, uh, Noah would have been. So I don't know. I don't know if I, you know, when I was a kid, I was fascinated by people trying to, you know, find the ark and we think we found it and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. It's in and, Kentucky. Yeah, is it? <laughs> Northern Kentucky. We found it. Yeah, it's been <laughs> reassembled. So yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really fall on one side or the other. Um, I, do I think that 
God is big enough and that God is in control enough and that God is capable of flooding the entirety of the earth? Absolutely. And do I think that we fully can grasp what the earth was like at this point in history? No, I don't think we, we can. You know, I think we can try based on what we see, but I think, you know, the answers to how older things and what happened are so different right now than they were when I was in high school and college. And they were so certain of it when I was in high school and college that it's hard to look at it with 100% serious respect for all the answers. It's like we're doing the best we can with the evidence we have. And ultimately, though, I don't think that's the purpose of why these stories were told to us in Genesis. Yeah. yeah and, like, and, you know, in some of our earlier podcasts, I think we've already established sort of what our guardrails are, you know, for a lot of these conversations. And we've affirmed uh, the things that we need to affirm, you know, to remain orthodox. Um, and so I appreciate the the answer there um, because I don't think, personally, this is one of those things that you would need to answer correctly to set up as a guardrail. I mean, this is one of those, um, you know, things that we can be flexible on and, and even agree to disagree on, you know. Yeah, Barton didn't know when he uh, when he texted Matthew said he would preach that he has to be answering that question. Don't <laughs> <laughs> mind signing up for that. Pull the bait and switch on him. All right. Uh, well, I have a, just a bit of a fun question. Um, I, I guess it's fine. Um, but anyway, in Genesis eight, uh, at the end of the flood. Um, Verses 19 and 20 says that every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So do you think at this point that Noah made uh, some of these species go extinct by offering them uh, to the Lord? And uh, with that, do you think that that is what happened to the dinosaurs? Oh my goodness. I love the dinosaur part. So I know I don't because chapter seven, it says, uh, verse one, Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I've seen that you are righteous before me this generation. And verse two says, take with you seven pairs of all the clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of all the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens. So no, I think the Lord which is a super cool provision. And it's also interesting that he knew that those sacrifices would be necessary. So when it says he took some of the clean animals, I'm assuming it wasn't all. And all uh, he was able to, that. yeah, he was able to hopefully, uh, they were able to produce some more clean animals uh, for Noah to use his repeated sacrifice, which we learn at the end of the story would be necessary for sure. Uh, right. But it's super cool that the Lord provided that. And it's telling that the Lord knew, I'm getting rid of all this, but this isn't my ultimate plan for sin. Sacrifice is still yep. going to be going to be necessary moving forward. Yep, definitely. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that was, that one's more just for fun, but I, I wanted to ask it. Uh, the dinosaur question is interesting. We don't have time <laughs> to go into that. But well, between see, this and Job, there's some... Nobody could say we didn't ask it. So. Yes, here we are. We talked about, about the dinosaurs. Yeah, and the, the Leviathan just dip him out with his little <laughs> finger. You know, I don't know. Or how um, about this? Um, would you or would you not recommend Darren, Darren Arnofsky's film <laughs> rendering Noah? <laughs> I did watch that. I think I fell asleep in movie theaters, which there's very few movies I've fallen asleep in the theater watching. Uh, I think it was just really... I remember watching it and thinking, this is weird and boring. Uh, so no, I wouldn't recommend it. 
But again, I mean, that's like a, you know, some guy's take on a, a story. You know, I don't think the goal is ever to be like biblically faithful. It wasn't a Christian movie. It was like, here's this. I think that should be done more, probably more often. I'd probably support it. You know, I mean, a Lord of the Rings type film on true Bible stories. You know, you have to take a lot of liberty there and like explain to all the the picketers like this is not saying this is exactly how it happened in the Bible, but. I'd love to watch stuff like that. There's some rich stories that would be just awesome to tell. And that's yep. really how he was sort of treating it, you know, his adaptation. He, yeah. As far as I know, Darren Aronofsky is not a believer, and I think he was sort of adapting the, the Noah epic like, you know, Peter Jackson adapted sure. Lord of the Rings. And, Absolutely. You know, in, in that regard, I probably have more issues with Peter Jackson's adaptation of The Lord of the Rings than I do Darren Aronofsky's <laughs> adaptation of yes. the Noah story. Yeah. Yes. Well, I have uh, I have one last question for you. You can just settle this for me in my head. Um, is the O in your name silent? I ask that because like I've never heard anyone call you Barton. Um, it's always like Bart, like your dad, like Bart. In the letter N, like Barton. Barton. Bart, maybe like I should. Like maybe I should move forward with. Some sort of legal name change to just make it uh, an apostrophe. B A R T apostrophe and Barton. Barton. I don't know. Ballin. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. Barton. (laughs) Yeah, it's always been Barton. Uh, No one's ever called me Barton. That's an interesting. Certainly not Barton. Barton. (laughs) Actually, I do have some friends who say that. Barton, what's up? Like that. So, yeah, it's always just kind of a joke. It's it's also like who pronounces Curtain, Curtain? Yeah. Kitten, Kitten. I don't think they do, but I also think that most people expect. So my, I'm the third, William Barton Ramsey the third. See, now we're learning about my name. Okay. Uh, and my granddad went by Bill, and my dad went by Bart, and they called me Barton. And I know some other Bartons, but I think most people assumed that when I became an adult, I would drop the O N and just go by Bart. I think that's like a common thing uh-huh. for people, you know, like they, like Matthews become Matt, you know, over time. Uh, shout out to my fantastic friend Mitchell Shoemaker he changed his Facebook name this I week to Mitch I saw that so there there is precedence here for me to go with Bart but I think that Bethany would be super disappointed and also a little weirded out to call me my dad's name um, but yeah I, I guess some people do that some people do they drop it and then other people I think add it you know Matt's become Matthew and Mitch has become Mitchell so I'm going to yeah. leave it where it is, and then I will look into removing the O and legally changing it to I, an I apostrophe. Can't, I can't wait to, oh, to Barton, follow. My Barton. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't wait to follow Mitch's, uh, you know, in his footsteps and just have that day where on Facebook I officially take the HEW off, you know. Then I'll just be a floor mat. That's why I've never, yeah, yeah, I've never done that because it's just M-A-T. You yeah, should your, just, your name's weird anyway. You should just change team. your social media to just T. 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 Gilbert, yeah. just one T. One and T. I, I'll yeah. extend mine and add the UA. Joshua. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You can tell we ran out of content. We're talking about... Hey, <laughs> names are important. We, I don't know if you guys did a whole podcast on the genealogy yet, but here we are. We can go through names yeah, we, all day. We did not. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, well, this has been fun. Um, I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed your sermon. I really enjoyed this. Um, I hope we get the chance to do it again, too. So. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Much love. Yep. Have a great day.